you, Lord, even in this season of what's called Christmas, which actually is Christ, the anointed one and his anointing and the and that which means the anointed mass, which means the anointed celebration of the saints in light, the children of light been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. Who is seated with him in heavenly places far above all principality, power and might, and dominion, everything is stained, and that which Satan would do no longer can do, for he has been defeated on every side and on every front. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and our foot is upon his head. And as God prophesied, he said, your heel will bruise his head. Thank God for the seed of the word of God. There's no such thing as God speaking and it not shall come to pass. We are living in the days of the very wrap where we're living in a wrap up. We're living in wrap up time. Amen. What will the church look like in wrap up time? Is it awake? Is it alive? Is it excited? Is it well? Is God coming from a, a wore out, emaciated church, you know, hobbling around on long legs? Oh, please, dear God, come uh, rents due on Thursday. No, 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 no. No, we're in exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask and think. These are glorious times. You could have been chosen to live in the 1600s, the 1700s, but God chose you for this day and he chose you for this hour. And he graced you to do what you're called to do. And no one can do just like you do. No one has the DNA that you have in you. No one in the earth matches your fingerprints. How magnificent that is that God had you just in mind, just, just you, to be so unique in him. And now we're going to let the Christ in us rise up on the inside. Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. Hallelujah. To him we give all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That concludes our service for today. No, I just kidding. No, 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 no. Well, you may not beat the Baptist to the chicken. You can be seated. Praise God. Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. Welcome to Grace Life Church. Uh, for those who are here and those who are joining us live, by whatever means you're doing that, we're uh, glad that you be part of our service this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to give all visitors a big hand. Good to have you here this morning. There's one family. You know, the Bible says really God only has one family. It varies. It's different. It looks different, you know. And we get to heaven, you know, the Lord's going to fix all that. You're, gonna, you're not going to say, if you're Methodist, you're not going to say, hey, Jesus, where did the Methodists? Now, where do they meet? Where do, where do the Presbyterians meet? Where do the Charismatics meet? Where, you know, where do the birds of Pentecostal meet? <clears throat> you know, uh, they meet in one place. Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. Won't that be amazing? The first time he ministers to all of us. I always said this is so amazing. You know, the Bible says Jesus is the word. Wait for the first time he, he stands up and opens up the word. Because it says the earth and everything in it will pass away, but this word will never pass away. The day will come that we'll all be gathered together and the word, Jesus, will open the word. Amen. And when the word reads the word, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that'll be like, but you don't want to miss it. Amen. Of course, if you're missing it, you're, you're in a world of hurts. So, so, so don't miss it. Don't miss it. You're going to be there? Y'all here? Amen. Praise the Lord. We got some mirrors we can get out. And if you fog them up, you know, we'll... We'll do that. And if you don't fog them up, we'll either try to raise you from the dead or we'll call the hospital, whichever one you want us to do. We've done all of it before in service, including raising the dead in service. We don't, you know, we're, we can do it again. Uh, you know, I just can't get any volunteers. <laughs> Last volunteer was 1996. 
you know, and they wanted their cell phones and our, you know, so we, <laughs> it was whatever. The paramedics couldn't do it. Nobody else could do it, but Jesus could do it. He raised the dead. Amen. Amen. Right in church. Praise God. Kind of makes a difference where you go to church to, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. Well, if you went to the church that don't believe in that, they're just going to leave you alone. Amen. But we, you know, we had a bunch of uh, wild for Jesus folks. Let me tell you what time it is. And I don't mean the natural time, which is about 11.05, but let me tell you what time it is. By the prophetical word, because the scripture says God does nothing in the earth unless he speaks to the prophet. And sometimes what you might think is a long time, you know, we think that because we're the part of us as human, you know, we measure time different. God, God made our time so we could live on earth in that time. We need that to work, you know, to live on this planet. But in heaven, there is no time. In heaven, it's just now. A thousand years be from now, a thousand years goes now, a thousand years is one day, right? To the Lord. So if something goes by and it's 40 years old to the Lord, I mean, what, what is 40 years to the Lord? I mean, I, <clears throat> some people are still wondering because when Jesus left, he told his disciples, I'm going somewhere that you can't go. He says, but I'll come back for you in a little while. It's like 2,000 years. Like, Lord, what do you think a long time is? If 2,000 years is a little while? So, so we have to measure time by the way he measures time, but we take the prophetical word. And here's a word, many of you might have heard it, but you haven't maybe thought about it a long time. And Lester Summerall was talking about this while, um, when he had met and he was, uh, had become a great acquaintance with Smith Wigglesworth. And, and Lester was in his early 20s and he was being mentored by Smith. And, and, and Lester said, you know, when I, when I got an invitation to come to his home, I was so thrilled and I was so excited. And he says, yeah, he says, come on this day. He said, when I got there, I thought we'd be standing in line, you know, like two and a half weeks just to get in there. He said, but the thing is, there was no one there. He said, it turned out I could find out, I could, you know, when, if Smith was home, he said, I, I could go anytime. He said, because no one ever came to see him. He said, the reason they didn't come to see him, they didn't really like him. They thought he was too rough. They was too green. He said, but actually he was a man of love and comfort. It's just in, in, in his way that he ministered to people. And you've heard some of the stories or read some of the books. You know, now, Smith never wrote a book. Sometimes I said I read you know, the book that he wrote. Actually, he, he, he wrote no books whatsoever. You know, it's just people took his sermons and put them in, uh, in books and, and did such as that. Same way with John G. Lake. John G. Lake never wrote a book. But his, his second wife was a stenographer. Otherwise, we wouldn't have anything John G. Lake ever ministered. And so uh, thank God for his, his wife who was able to take that and, and then put it into our day. But see, but they're, they're, they're gone. They're in heaven. This is our day. So what are we going to do in our day? We can, we can rejoice about what happened to Smith's day, but, you know, he can be kind of rough with people sometimes. You know, but he wasn't being rough with them. He was seeing, everything. He was seeing it from the perspective of this, I'm dealing with a demon. He'd be rough on the demon. So, I mean, you know, there's people who like have stomach cancers and he, he might punch you in the stomach. Well, you, you, you better hear from God if you're going to do that in 2022. Because Alex Sharona, he'll be, he'll be calling you the next week. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I mean, there's, or someone just like him, you know. So you, you have to hear from God to do that in this day. But he was, you know, he was just wild. They said he kicked a baby off a stage, you know, and, and, the, and the baby landed fine and was totally healed. The people never said they ever felt the pain. It was like an anesthetic. Like, God, thank God for that. But, you just, but he was wild in his faith. He was called the apostle of faith. And so people came to his meetings because of what happened in the meetings, how the sick was healed, and the, sometimes the dead was raised. Um, we know of, they say, 13 uh, individual people being raised from the dead. 
But you know, there's, there, there's works going on, on the earth. I don't know whether you know that or not, that are even exceeding, you know, Smith. And they should have after all this time. If you go over like to Mexico over there and you go over with David Hogan's network over there, uh, David has had something like 19, I think people raised from the dead, but all of his pastors in his network, they've had over 500 people raised from the dead. Amen. And uh, someone says, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just, I'm, I'm just reporting. Amen. People say, well, I don't even know that the, you know, the, the one that you talk about was raised from the dead was. Well, it's, it's my testimony. I was there, so, you know, I love you, but I don't really care what you believe. Huh? When you get to talk to the one who was dead, the next day when they were dead and you hear their testimony, their testimony chumps your belief. Huh? <laughs> when they tell you they left your body and they tell you he was praying for me. And I went up to heaven and had a conversation that came down. And when I came back down, you know, through the atmosphere and through the building, I stopped and I saw who was praying for me at that time when I came back. And like, how, how could you know? all? That? I mean, your eyes, I mean, well, you, you couldn't even find the pupils. You go like this, you couldn't find the pupils. You told, told us every detail what happened. It's amazing, isn't it? Well, that's, we say amazing and it is, but see, it's because that we live in a natural world and part of us is human, but you can't just say you're just human because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, behold what? About half of things became brand new. Oh, all things. But since we run elbows with the world so much, we live in the world, sometimes we want to think too worldly. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be you what? Transformed. I wish it said by the removing of your mind, but you can't do that. You know, some people, Norval Hayes, y'all remember Norval Hayes? He, there was no one like Norval. Norval was, there was only one Norval on the earth. He says, some people, this is how he said, he says, some people, because he, he dealt with all kind of people. And, uh, and he had a ministry of, you know, uh, he taught on demonology. And he, he had quite the testimonies of those of casting out devils. And he's trying to get their mind renewed and help people. He says, some people, he said, they'd be better off. Because he's talking about those Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says some people would be better if you cut their their head off. Like that's the normal say. He cut their head. He said, of course, I know we can't do that. <laughs> he, he said, so we're going to we're going to renew the mind. He says, sometimes I'd like to remove it. Or, you know, if it had a cap, you could just open it up and, you know, draw out, suction out whatever's in there and put in what needs to be in there. Amen. When you get people who's hungry, are you hungry? Really? Amen. Even in the month of December? Amen. I mean, how many of y'all figured out what, you know, the, the hallmark, you know, the, the plot of what it does? Y'all figured all that out by now? I mean, there's only so many versions of what can happen, right? You know, Mr. Get Mrs. And, you know, isn't it, it kind of interesting that the guy on the farm always gets the girl? Hardly ever the guy from the city. It makes you feel good about living in Alabama, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. He comes from New York and whatever, and they're an author or whatever, a real estate agent, and they come, and someone's died, and they got to settle grandma's farm, grandpa's farm, and, you know, da-da-da. Big promotion at work, meets whatever down there. Not too happy about the relationship, but, you know, been in it for five years, how you leave all that, da-da-da-da-da-da. Two years later, in the last eight minutes, they figure it out. Of course, right before the eight minutes, they got to separate, right, because something comes up about... You know, what they think you said or you did say. And then uh, 
it looks like it's going to go back the other way. But after three commercials, it comes back on. They get their whole mind figured out, and then they kiss the makeup, and you go on to the next one. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Well, I don't know if you'd have got Smith to sit down and watch one of them. He probably would have threw a rock through it. Because Lester came into his house that day with a newspaper. And uh, in his, you know, in his Yorkshire, he says, he said, what's up? He said, what's up? He said, he saw it under his arm. He says, what's that? He said, that's, that's today's newspaper. He said, he said, get it out of my house. He said, I don't let news from hell in my home. He says, soon, he says, soon, he said, Hitler, Mussolini, they'll be dead and they'll be in hell forever. And that's like, okay, he's 20-something years old. Okay, he was shaking his boots and he sat down. But before he died, before Lester Summerall died, it says, and I'll read you the prophecy. It said, 1939, World War II was about ready to break out. Lester Summerall was in his 20s. He was working in a Bible school in England, and he got to know Smith Wigglesworth. He read the books and heard about his ministry. He'd been going over and visiting Smith Wigglesworth in his home for several years. Uh, every other week, he would visit him. Smith Wigglesworth would also have Brother Summerall to speak at his conventions. One day, Lester Summerall um, went to go see Smith Wigglesworth said a police officer had come to the door and told him that everyone who was not an English citizen would have to leave the country. Hitler was threatening to come across the English Channel, so all foreigners had to leave. The young Summerall explained to the elder minister, I came to say goodbye to you. I, I so love and appreciate all that you have put in me. Now, he was a young minister in his 20s, and here was a man in his 80s who wanted to give his gift to somebody. Smith Wigglesworth told the young minister, I want to bless you. So he held him and said, Lord, everything that I have, bless him with it. Give it to him. Smith Wigglesworth started weeping as he pulled Brother Summerall um, in closer. He was a big man, and as he held me close into him, his tears rolled off his face, and they would hit me in my face, Brother Summerall explained. Wigglesworth cried, saying, I probably won't see you again. My job is almost finished. And as he continued to pray, he cried and he said, I see it, I see it, I see it. Brother Summerall said, what do you see, what do you see? He said, I see a healing revival coming right after World War II. It will be so easy to get people healed. I see it, I see it, but I won't be here for it, but you'll be here. And there was a healing revival right after the war. But then he continued to prophesy. He said, but I see another one. I see people all over different denominations being filled with Holy Ghost. That was the charismatic revival. God raised up people during the era like the full gospel businessmen. Then Brother Wordsworth continued, I see another move of God. I see auditoriums full of people coming with notebooks. There'll be a wave of teaching on faith and healing. We did experience that. We call it the Word of Faith movement. But then he prophesied after that, he, the third wave. He started sobbing and sobbing. He said, I see the last day revival that's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth. It'll be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be the wave of the gifts of the Spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on the planet Earth, and, I'll, and you will see hospitals being emptied out, and they'll bring the sick to the churches where the Holy Ghost is allowed to move, and they'll give their testimonies. Welcome to the third great awakening. Welcome to the third great awakening. We talked about this last week, and others are talking about it, prophesied about it, that the Lord has shown them. He says, do no longer say it's coming because it's already begun. 
you may not see it because it may be just flowing to the ankles, like in the, in the book of Ezekiel. But then went from the, it went from the ankle, then went to the knee, then went from the knee, then went to the waist, and then it got so far up. It's a symbolic, you know, prophetical word in, in Ezekiel that it got so high that they couldn't walk in it, they had to swim in it. So we may not be swimming in it, but we're walking in it. And so we're, we acknowledge that. And Michelle was going in another way when she received the offering about expectation. But I'm, I'm going to do the same thing this morning. And so this morning we're going to talk about uh, faith stretching your imagination. Letting your faith stretch your imagination. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you will. Y'all ready? Sharp? Hungry? He said the hungry shall be filled. Hungry and the thirsty shall be filled. If you're not hungry and you're not thirsty, you're satisfied, well, then you're through. Amen. But there's more. Someone say, there's more. Say, I want the more. Say a little bit better. I want the more. Well, now I said five, but let's go back to verse. Let's go to chapter four. This is where we was at a couple weeks ago. And uh, we'll pick up again today. And uh, we'll start in 2 Corinthians chapter four. In verse 16, where Paul said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, remember us ministering on that, our light affliction, that word, that word affliction has uh, several different connotations to it, but basically it boils down to the King James word, the word affliction really means the the pressing test or trial, or it means the pressure. And um, y'all know what pressure is? Pressure that life brings? <coughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I mean, if you're over a year old, you probably know something about it. I mean, even a baby comes out screaming. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you come into the world, he said, but this, this, this pressure that comes, which is but for a moment, works for you a far more exceeding internal way to glory. Now, how, now how does the pressure which is but for a moment, how does it work for you for an eternal way to glory? Well, the next verse will tell you, while we look not at the things which you see, but the things which you are not seeing, for the things which are not seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So that sounds, you know, kind of like mind boggling a little bit and a little King James in there, but he said the things that you, he said the pressure comes to you. And if you know anything about Paul's life and testimony, he probably, um, you know, he, he, he knew about pressure. He knew about tribulation. He knew about testing. He knew about trials. He suffered many things for the sake of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Far more than what goes on in the vast part of the world today for preaching the gospel. Happens other places. People are, whether you know about it, people are still being um, um, you know, killed for preaching the gospel, in prison, uh, beaten in different parts, remote areas. We may not hear about it. But it still happens today. But Paul kind of stood alone in this place. And he said, these things are light. He said, he said the pressure is light. Now, the enemy, wanted, you know, your feelings might feel like sometimes it's heavy, like you're going through a really hard time. I don't know that it would impress Paul that much. And I'm not trying to belittle anything that you're dealing with or going through. But I'm just saying, I, I want you to know that it's light. And if this was uh, if this was a, um, a fight... You know, like a boxing match, it, you know, putting Jesus in the ring with you, Christ in you, the hope of glory and putting 
your pressure in there, that's a, lot, that's a lightweight and a heavyweight meeting. It's just a one punching us out. Yes. Amen. So Paul said the way that you, the, the way that the, the thing that's coming at you, the way that the pressure that's coming with you, the, the things that you don't know what to do about. You ever been in that case? You just don't know what to do. I mean, you, I mean, you, you, you know you got the problem. You already got that. I mean, why, why focus on the problem? You already own that. Huh? You ever think about that? Look here. If you could have already done something about your situation, you would have already done it. If you could have fixed it, would you have already fixed it? Yeah. So that means that you can't fix it. That means we're going to have to have some help. Some say some help. But man, we got great help. <laughs> we got help abounding. We got the Superman on the inside of us. We got Holy Spirit. Not on Holy Spirit. We got Holy Spirit. And he's ready to reveal to you some things and to, and, and to illuminate your heart and illuminate your mind. He wants to show you the truth of, what, of what's really happening. See, all you're seeing what's happening in the natural realm, but there's a conflict going on. There's a war going on. There's something happening a lot of times that you just, you can't see it with your natural eye because it's in the realm of the spirit. Well, Smith Wigglesworth, he operated in the realm to where he was, he was um, going in and out all the time. In other words, and this is true of you. I mean, I almost went this way this morning, but I, I felt led to stay with what, what I'm going to give this morning. But actually, the scripture says that Jesus lived uh, on this planet while he was here, but he lived in heaven at the same time. It's in John chapter 3, if you ever want to read it. We might get there next week, or I won't next week, because silver bell. But, anyway, but, we, but we'll get there. And so, so Jesus was living in two places at one time. But did you know because Christ is in you, you're in two places at one time? Amen. He told you. Huh? Just in one chapter, in one chapter in John, he told you 17 times, I'm not from here. <laughs> 17 times in one chapter, Jesus said one way or another, look here, I, I'm not from here. And he said, I'm not of this world. Then when he prayed for us before the crucifixion, he said, they're not of this world like I'm not of this world. Someone said, well, do you believe in aliens? Absolutely, I believe in aliens. So why would you believe that? Because I'm one of them. <laughs> if you're born again, you are too. <laughs> you're an alien. We've got to get a bigger parking lot, you know, to, so that we can park all of our ships. <laughs> Just messing with you. But anyway, but, but the Bible says you're a pilgrim. You're an, you're, you're an alien. You're, you're not even from here. Philippians says that your citizenship is not from here. No matter where you was born. I was born in, uh, in Detroit, Michigan. Been here since Alabama since nine. Well, been here for a while. First grade. <laughs> Amen. And here's the deal. But I'm not from either place. That, that's our natural heritage. But you were before you were. You were before you were. Are you okay? See, see, the gospel said that Jesus was ordained before the foundation of the, of the world. He was chosen to be the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Before there was an Adam, before there was a world, before there was an Adam, before there was Eve, before there was sin, there was Jesus who was chosen to be the, found, of the, of the lamb that was to be slain. When Psalms 139 said, God knew you while you was yet in your, before you was in your mother's womb. I don't know how he knows that. He's God. So God's not figuring this out. It's figured. Amen. And the Bible says you're complete in him. 
God never starts anything. Your life, your plan, your, your, your goal, your, your destiny, your destiny has already been determined ahead in heaven. So what happens is when we start life, when we start life, there was, we started with the Trinity, God the Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit, all, all God, yet in three distinct persons. So if it were, there was a great boardroom. And in that boardroom, they decided of every person that would be born and what their destiny would be. Only the three of them was there. So there's a time that, that you came up in that boardroom, so to speak. And the Holy Spirit was there. And he heard the plan and he knows the plan for your life. So what, what's he doing? Well, the Bible says he, he, he prays to this end. He's praying, you know, the, uh, in, in Corinthians it talks about, or, or Romans chapter 8, he says he searches the hearts he, to, to know everything. He has the, the entire plan. He was in the boardroom before you got here. Amen. So he knows if you're in the will of God for your life or he knows if you're sidetracked. So what he's doing is he's praying, he's interceding. Jesus is the, our intercessor, right? He's the head intercessor. His present day ministry is the intercession. So he's praying the will of God for your life because he knows the will of God for your life. And the Holy Ghost is directing you into that plan and endeavoring to remove everything that's in your life, obstacles that keep you from going in the path that you're supposed to go. He would know he was there. So he knows if you're in route or off the route. You've been made in the likeness and image of God. That word likeness means the similitude, right? If you, if you look up the word likeness in the, uh, um, I think it's the Vines Expository Dictionary of Greek and Hebrew words, it talks about not just looking like that. It, it means in representation. It, mean, it means that, you've, that he made you to function like him. I don't think the church has done that great a job of functioning like him. I don't know that he's that impressed with how we have church. Someone said, you know, they sing three hymns and three hers and take up the offertory, give a little bit of addiction, and then go eat some chicken. Well, that's not what heaven's about. Hmm? The, the goal of Christians shouldn't be to make it to heaven one day. Sure, sure you want to make it to heaven one day, but that, you're not here to be saved from hell. You're here to represent heaven. Huh? You're here to give the devil hell. <laughs> Look, he's give you enough. Why don't you just pass it back? So you, you believe in sowing and reaping? You do, huh? Well, I hope you enjoy your next week because we're coming. We're coming. And we're here. Hallelujah. Amen. You ever read Revelations where he got kicked out of heaven? Huh? Or wherever you think he was when he got kicked out? Notice it wasn't a long war. Huh? Book of Revelations, it, it didn't take up chapters of how long this thing went. Him and a third of, of the angelic coast, uh, God gave, gave him a goodbye. Right? Didn't he say God broke a sweat? And the day will come, you know, when, when, when Satan gets locked up for a thousand years. Wouldn't that be marvelous? Glory to God. Thousand years locked up. And the Bible says one angel, one, not one million, not 100,000, one angel with one chain is going to come get him and lock him up. 
Just going to take one angel to lock up old Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. Satan, Satan, Slewfoot, Boogerhead, whatever you want to call him. One angel is going to come get him and deal with him. Does it sound that bad? No. Now, you understand if you deal with him in your flesh, you're going to lose. Huh? He, see, he didn't lose his power. He lost his authority. Amen. He still has power. But, he, does, but he, he doesn't have the rightful authority to use it, if you know who you are. You, the Bible says you tread upon him. He doesn't tread upon you. You don't take your orders from him. He takes orders. Hmm? Why, why would you listen to him about your life? He's talking to you most times through your feelings and your emotions. He leads most people, including Christians, for their, through their feelings and their emotions. Your most dominant thought is who or what's, is what is leading your life right now. Who's doing the talking? See, he's the master of great disguise. He loves you to think that he doesn't exist. He doesn't want to be seen. He's not going to appear to you as the devil of the Underwood Ham commercial from years ago and by. He doesn't come with a pitchfork. He is a thief. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's a scumbag. Someone said, aren't you a little bit afraid to say that? You know, because he might hear you. I've said that for his benefit. Huh? People say, people say well, sometimes it's like, because they put so much emphasis on this life. And, and Paul said that life is far greater, far better. People say they put so much emphasis like, oh, don't, don't aggravate the devil, something may go wrong. And, and, and you may, you know, you, you might miss it somewhere and then you'll be gone. You'll be dead. They're like, okay. <laughs> you see, you, you can't scare me with a word called paradise. Huh? If you're going to send me to a mission trip from Maui, I'll go. If you want me to go to Honolulu and win the loss, send me again. I'll go. They don't send me years ago. I'll go back. There's got to be some lost people in, in, in I believe, I believe there's some lost people somewhere in Hawaii. Don't you think I should reach them? <laughs> About three of y'all. <laughs> Amen. Well, so we're, we're walking this thing out by faith. Not by our sight, right? Amen. So Paul said this thing, even though the persecution comes, he said, it's all light. He said, if while you're looking not at the things which you see, but the things which you can't see. Now, now, how, now how do you look at something that you can't see? Paul said, in other words, the pressure comes, but the, the pressure will work in you and to turn away the glory if, you're, if you'll not look at what you see. In other words, you see with your, the things that you pick up with your senses. He says, in other words, you, you'll have to use what some people would call your sixth sense, which is faith. See, you can see with the eye of faith. It's not that you have to see into the realm of the spirit. Some people might be praying to that manner. I'm not. If it happens and the Lord needs you to, I'm fine with it. But I, I, I don't want to be able to have to see angels all the time to believe you know, Jesus told, told Thomas, you believe now, but it'd be better if you hadn't, if you'd have believed and not seen. Well, he did see and he did believe. But the others, he says, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. 
Well, thank God for the angels and the ministry of the angels. But, but, but I, I don't want to have to see them. In other words, because if I get in a situation, you know, the next year, the next year, I may feel like, you know, I, I really need, you know, some heavenly intervention to see something to know that, you know, no, I need to be able to read and know. You see, because this book is, this book is supernatural. This book is spectacular. It contains the words of God. It's still the best-selling book in, in, in the world after all these years. Not even a close second to the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Amen. The words of God. You might as well go ahead and believe it because the, and the, and the Scripture says the Word of God is settled in heaven. Well, we have to settle it on earth. In other words, if there was some way to leave your Bible here today, and you, come, and, and you could come back somehow and check on it 500 years from now and pick your Bible up, it still say the same thing it says today. This is the most up-to-date book that's ever been written. It'll talk to you about anything that you need, that you need counsel on, about anything. The Lord cares about everything. He said, ask, seek, knock, and it shall be opened to you. He said, if a son was to ask for you know, a, a fish, would he give him a scorpion? No. In other words, he, he loves his children. He loves his family. He says, whatever you ask, seek for, knock, it shall be opened unto you. He says, how much more? I like that. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them who ask him? Well, that was talking about the day that we're in. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we quote it, but verse 6 says, Therefore we are always confident knowing that while we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. The B part of that verse in the Amplified says, We walk by faith, not by appearance. Now listen to the, the Passion Translation. It says that, that while we're always full of courage, even while we're at home in the body, we're homesick to be with the Master. Anyone ever been really kind of homesick? You didn't know what it was like? Like you, 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 was, you was thinking about heaven. And, and of course, you, may, you know, I'm sure we all, we all have family there, some people there that we love and we're close to and we miss them. But have you ever been homesick for heaven? There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, it's very scriptural. Why? Because actually that is your home place. That's why sometimes you endeavor, you, you, you desire to be there at times because you're, you're actually right now just away from home. So why do we need to know that? Because we need to expand our imagination and we need to let the faith that God's given us stretch us because God's going to want to do some amazing things, but he's going to have to stretch our imagination so he can fit it in. I'm doing better preaching than y'all doing anything. Yeah. Amen. Now, uh, he says, he says uh, to be with the master is far better for we live by faith and not with our eyes. This is the passion. Verse 8 of the Passion says, We live with a joyful confidence, yet at the same time we take delight in the thoughts of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord. So, whatever, so whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our life pleasing to Him. Verse 10 the Passion, the last one. For one day we will be openly revealed before Christ on His throne so that each of us will be duly recompensed for our actions done in life whether good or worthless. Hmm. Now there's only two ways to see things. There's only two ways to see. And that's where your physical vision, the, the natural eye, right? The, the natural eye, the people of the eye. 
God gave us, you know, that function to be able to see. But the other way that you see is through your imagination. And we all, we all use our imagination. We use it all the time. They say kids, you know, um, have a very active imagination. Is that true? They really do. Man, they can make up some stories. We all, we, we could talk about kids and grandkids and about stories and, and, and they, boy, they can make up some dillies. Did, did you know that as they get older, they lose some of that? You know why they lose it? Because they get educated. I think we need to have childlike faith. Hmm? I'm not here to talk to you about Santa Claus, but you know, that's your own preference what you do with that. But Jesus Christ is real. He is. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who is Jesus? Is. A, a visitor told us recently, I said, I came to this church and said, I never heard so much singing about Jesus and talking about Jesus one sermon. Like Jesus just mentioned several times. I said, that's a, well, thank you. I don't know how they meant it. I said, thank you. <laughs> because we like to talk about him. Yes. Yeah. You, I mean, if you, maybe whether you don't notice, because a, a lot of teaching sermons is geared to, to deal with the, uh, the, your, your emotions. But, but they don't really preach the gospel that much. And Jesus hardly ever mentioned it's just to appease the emotions, to help you feel better about your situation. And God wants to help you feel better. But to feel better, you need change. And to have change, you've got to have truth. And truth is not always easy, but it's always right. Huh? Jesus didn't say, I know a way. He said, I am the way. Huh? If, if believing the truth will set you free, then what will believing a lie do? Hmm? My job is to teach truth the best that I can see it and know it. I'll stand before God and give, and give an answer for that. So I don't, I don't have any little man be paying me answers. If I know it, I'm going to tell it. I mean, everyone has a different personality, but with me, you, you always know where you are. I, I, I don't have any gray areas. If I do, I try to get rid of them real fast. And two, the older that you get, I mean... You, you'll get to the point quicker. You, you just will. I mean, when I, when I was pastoring, I started pastoring at 33 years old, the same year they killed Jesus. And then I felt like, oh, they're going to kill me the same year. <laughs> I'm going to have a one-year ministry. Uh, 33, that was a wild time for me. I mean, I just got out of Ramah, and one year later, I'm pastoring a church that I didn't know I was going to pastor. I was just doing a Bible study. I was just doing a Bible study. I was forced to do that. My pastor said, I want you to do a Bible study. Don't come up here anymore on Sunday nights. Don't come on Wednesday. Stay at home with your family. Do a Bible study. I said, well, he said, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. I said, well, now, pastor, he says, he says uh, start the Bible study. Start it next week. Don't come up here anymore. Come up on Sunday if you want to. We don't come up here on Sunday night or Wednesday. I said, well, and uh, he, he cut that eye. I said, yes, sir. I'll, I'll be, I'm, I'm just thrilled to do that. So we start that that went on six months. The Bible study did. And then at the end of the Bible study, I said to the people there, the family there and the other people was there. I said, uh, next week or next month, whatever it is, I said, we're, we're not going to be a Bible study. We're, we're going to be a church. 
we're starting the church. And I, we, we went home and, and Michelle said, uh, I wish uh, you to discuss that with me, uh, that we were going to pastor a church. I said, who's going to pastor a church? She said, we are. You said, we are. I said, I didn't say no such thing. And uh, she said, yes, you did. You said next week or next month, whatever it was, she said, no longer a Bible study, it's going to be a church. I said, and she doesn't joke that often. I mean, she's pretty, you know, straight. You, you know, she, she likes to have a good time, have fun, but, you know, that's more me. You know, I'll mess with you, you know. I'll cut the lights off while you're in run down the hallway real fast, you know. <laughs> but, but, but she won't. And so uh, I called a couple people, that, you know, that was there and family, and I said, she was messing with me. I said, uh, she said, I said this. They said, you absolutely did. I said, I said, we're starting a church. They said, yeah, you, we're, we're, we're no longer a Bible study. We're a church. And I went up and I said, Lord, how do I fix this? He said, you don't have to fix it. Just start. I said, no, I mean, I'm not part of the church. He says, yes, you are. You just said you was. Well, it's been about 30 years. Amen. That's why I always said, that's why I always said, you've been taught there are seven redemptive names to God. We won't go through all of them, but the seven redemptive names, you know a lot of them. I always said there's eight. The last one is Jehovah Trickster. He, he kind of had to trick me into it. Amen. Had, had no intention of doing that whatsoever. But we see through our imagination. We see with our eyes, but we see with our imagination. The only way a human can see the past or future is through your imagination. Which, which is a vision, or a or vision, or imagination is a is a mental picture, right? When you plan things for the future, if you're planning a vacation, you're planning Christmas, you're planning you know a meal, you're planning who's going to be there. You're you're using your mind, but you're also using your imagination. If I were in your city, or if I was where you live, and I was lost, and I came to you. Or in other words, here we are in, in, in Jemison. If I were to say, okay, if, can someone give me directions to Highway 31, you know, which we're just one mile from 31 that way, and give me directions to um, Walmart in Clanton, could, could, you, could you stop and, and see that and, and tell me how many lights I got to go through? Because, you know, it's, I'm, it's just straight on 31, but... How many think that you could, in, a, in just a few moments, a minute or two, three minutes, you could tell me how many lights I got to go through in Clanton to get to Walmart? Matt said he could do it. He lives there. Could anyone, could anyone take me from here to 65 and tell me, you know, uh, how to get to Alabaster? What exit number I'll get off of? And I want to go to the Colonnade. I want to go to Lowe's. Can anyone, can anyone give me directions from here how to get to Lowe's? Anyone? Most of you? How would you do that? Well, because you've been there, you know, but to count the lights of the exits, wouldn't you have to use the mental process of your mind and the photograph, which is called the imagination? See, we, we, we use it all the time. All the time we use it. And I know that the imagination kind of has a bad rap, you know, because of Eastern religions and, you know, that kind of meditation and all such as that. But the devil never created anything good. Mm 
He just took what God did and stole it and perverted the whole thing. God gave you a godly imagination. And, he, and, 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 uh, and I'm telling you, for the days that we're in and, and the great awakening that's, that's already here, he's going to activate that so much. He's going to help you see things that you're not seeing to take you places that you've never been before. You haven't lived your best day yet. You haven't seen God's best or his last. I'm glad three of you was excited about that. I said, you haven't seen God's last and you certainly haven't seen his best. <laughs> Glory to God. Y'all okay? Um, so when you're, so you know, we need to know this, that fear or faith both operate in the realm of imagination. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many have been in a situation and, you know, that maybe it's, uh, well, I don't want to give details, but you're, you're imagining, you know, what, what could happen or what might have happened or where someone is. Or, are they, or, did, or could they have had an accident and they should have been home? Or the phones uh, might ring. The, the, the devil will use that all the time. You know, back, um, he'll just use your circumstances. And he'll activate your imagination. He'll role play, almost like it's, uh, you know, you went to see a theater play. And there'll be a role play to it. Having a our younger son at that time being in the Marines and in active war, it was strange feeling the first time that we got together. It was Thanksgiving and his chair was empty. That was strange. I didn't like it at all. And now I'll never forget. I know I've told the story before, but to this point that I'm interested this morning, I remember one morning turning on the TV. I think it was Fox News. And it says, uh, the Marines has now taken the city of Marja in Afghanistan. The 13 Marines were killed. Well, my son was in Marja, and I knew they were taking it. They don't tell you who, who died, and, and your son was in the middle of it. Do you know what the devil would do with your imagination? Right? Uh, uh, if they're in the military, just let me tell you, uh, you can put your cell phone down. They don't have a phone. They're not going to answer. They're, you can't text. They won't answer. And it might be, when, for the ones who did, it might be a week or three weeks before the black sedan comes up in the, you know, down the driveway and tells you the bad news. You know how the devil will try to torment your mind day and night with that? And I remember it was during a, a time of praise and worship when we were in the church in Clanton. And uh, it wasn't about the Marja thing, but it was about, uh, you know, just you're at active war and, and young people. The military is made up of very young people. They're, they're 18 years old and early 20s who go to war. Children. I mean, they're young men, but they're still, you know, young, fighting wars. And, we, and, and uh, it was every day you was hearing on the news about people dying and being killed there and, you know, different branches of service. <clears throat> and uh, it was during praise and worship. And uh, I remember we were standing up and I looked it over her and she began to, she got a clinic and she was kind of weeping and she wrote something down and I knew she'd heard something. And I knew it was definite. And uh, 
she began to weep a little bit. And when, when we got home, I says, well, what, what happened during praise and worship? And she said, well, he's been on, you know, uh, Taylor. She said, he's, you know, he's there. I said, yeah. And uh, you hear about death every day. She, I said, yeah. And she said, all of a sudden, during praise and worship, the Lord said to me, he says, you'll never have to give your son to die because I gave my son. Your son won't have to die because mine did. Now, if you'll believe me, I'll spare his life. I remember him calling us one time and he says, Mama, he says, uh, Dad, he says, uh, you know, I was raised this way. I believe in miracles. He says, but, but I've seen miracles like, I mean, there's no way. He said, we, we were entrapped. You know, we, we got to a place and he says, and we were ambushed. There was no way out. And he says, and so he said, the sergeant called in the, uh, what do you call it? the coordinates uh, to send air support to get us out of here quick or else we're all going to die. And uh, he said uh, the only problem was, he said they mixed up the coordinates uh, 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 about us and the enemy. He says so they, they released the, the, the weapons on us. And of course we had prayed over not just him but all of them. He said, when we realized the, what, what they had done, he says, there was not enough time to run. You couldn't run fast enough. You couldn't run hard enough. And he said, bullets is flying everywhere uh, from the enemy. He said, but actually they released, you know, whatever it is they were shooting. He said, they released it on us thinking, you know, they, they had the, the coordinates messed up. And he said, we ran hard as we could. He said, but... I don't know how, he said, but not even one person got hurt or wounded. There was no shrapnel whatsoever. The bomb went off, but not one, you know, he said, you couldn't get out of its range, but no one was hurt. Didn't even have a scratch on them. He said, matter of fact, and as the, as the, uh, the, the people, the ones who ambushed us, he says, he says, one of my buddies, you know, had on his, uh, I don't know if you call it the head or the cap, you know, the, the hard helmet. He said, he has two bullet holes right through the front of his helmet. And out the back, you know, I make a bigger hole, blew his helmet to shreds. He says, right above the eyes. He says, but he doesn't have a scratch. The bullets went to the front and it blew out the back, and, and it, but he's not gunshot. How'd that happen? Hey. <laughs> 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 Glory to God. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. And then... Uh, we picked him up at the, later on, we picked him up at the airport and he had to endure some hard hugs for a lot. For a lot. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Mom and them, like Mom and them has some, some long enduring hugs. Grand hugged him forever. And uh, he was trying to hold his head down, you know, grand shorter, he was trying to hold his head down and it was a long time in the airport. So I think when we walked to the car, he was like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> God is so good, and I'm so thankful. Praise God. So, uh, you see things with the eye of faith. The sixth sense, you might call it. It has to be the same um, as, in other words, it, it works with your imagination, your godly imagination. The Word will paint a picture for you on the canvas of your heart. Your, your, your heart is, is kind of like a canvas, 
And the Holy Spirit, as you're reading and meditating the Word, he'll, he'll take, you might say, the paint and He'll paint the picture on the canvas of your heart. And then you'll begin to see things much clearer. You'll just know, I should go here. You should just know, don't go there. You, you, you'll just have an inward knowing. God may, not, may or may not, probably won't very often or never speak to you in audible voice. He can and He has and He might. But the book of Luke, I think it's Luke, or Mark or Luke, I can't remember, it's Mark's Luke. It, when, it, when it begins, in the King James Version, it, it just says, these things that seems good, we ought to write them down. It, I mean, he didn't say he heard an audible voice to write it down. He said, it just seems right or good to write these things down. Well, we call that, he got that in his seamer. See, sometimes you'll get, you, you know, you'll, you'll get something in your seamer that doesn't make any sense to, your, to, to human logic. But you'll just know it on the inside. Well, the scripture says, Jesus, my sheep know my voice, the voice of a stranger, they won't follow. Amen. You have the inward witness on the inside. You have the knowing above all knowings. And sometimes you'll walk completely different you know, to what the, the tune of the beat is for most people. Obviously, actually, most time, if you're going to succeed in life, you're, you're going to walk away from what the masses are doing. The masses of the people are generally going in the wrong direction because they're making their decisions based on natural data. But what we have is not natural data. We have an inward witness from the Holy One. The, the, the book of John says you have an unction from the Holy One. First John 2.27, you have an unction, you have a knowing from the Holy One who abides and lives in with you forever. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost abides within you forever? Now, I've been taught and heard and said many people that he's real flighty and you, you make, he gets the least upset. He just comes and goes and leaves and takes off. I don't know where they get them scriptures from because I hadn't found any of them. Jesus said he'll, he'll come live and with, abide with you. He didn't say he'd agree with you about everything, but he said, Jesus, said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Hmm. I was in a meeting well, a year or so ago with people who was, um, how can I say it, of our persuasion. And uh, the minister said, had a word of knowledge that could come, he said this morning, he said, because I hear the Lord wants to heal of so-and-so. He says, now come quickly. He said, while the anointing is here to minister. And uh, come quickly for the minister, you know, for the, for the healing anointing to minister. And I like, I wonder how much time you got. I mean, if you hit a clock, is it, you know, 30 seconds? Is it two minutes and 43 seconds? I mean, how long before the Holy Ghost takes off? And if he takes off, where does he go? Panama City? I mean, where, 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 where does he go? See, sometimes we just, you know, we're like, well, we're word people. So we just believe everything because it's word. Well, I'm, I, I'm word, people. Glad of it, proud of it. But I don't put that, I, I don't have no word of faith label over the Bible. You don't think the Lord's going to have a word of faith church, do you? Well, what, what is word of faith? Well, Romans chapter 10 tells you what the word, he says, it's the word of faith which we preach. You know, Kenneth Hagin, Brother Hagin did not write Mark 11, 23, 24. I know most people think he did. Well, some, some people think it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, you know, uh, 
uh, Brother Hagin than Faith. No, 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 it's not that way. Brother Hagin, I mean, I, I was there. He was still alive. We was there. We, we graduated in 1994. We was there in 1994. He walked by me one time teaching, and he put his hand on my shoulder. I gave an illustration. I thought, I ain't going to wash that arm for weeks. I don't know why. But anyway, he said, your, your, your call may not be like my call might be. He said, my call is to go teach my people faith. He said, but, but then they, you need to leave here with the spirit of faith. And you need to know what the unction of the Holy Ghost is. In other words, you need to know how to flow with him. Know the word of faith, but know how to flow with him. Amen. And that's what, that's what Smith Wigglesworth was talking about in the last, the, the last move of, of the Holy Spirit before Jesus comes, that there'll be a marrying you might together of word and spirit. And those, we'll, we'll stand on the word. We're, not, we're never going to get away from the word, right? But the Word without the Spirit is, is just, it's just another book. You need the Spirit and the Word. You need both. Because there's just some things in here that, that's not... I mean, there's some things that you need to know that's not in here specifically. Like, go take this job or that job. You know, don't marry Fred, marry Bob. You know, Fred and Bob's not in here. But there's guidelines all along the way. And there's just things that you, that you have to know what to do. And he will illuminate you as you give place to listen to him. He knows all things. The Holy Spirit is a genius. And if you listen to him, you'll look like one yourself. And if you don't, well, well, hmm, he knows all things. But how, but how often do we listen to him? So he's getting us ready for this, this third and, and great and final move. And so this morning, let's, uh, let's, let's wind, up, wind up here. I didn't uh, get, I've only got seven more pages and no more time. My, my, my. How did that happen? Ellie, are you pushing that <laughs> clock forward? Is it really just 1130? Logan did it. <laughs> my, my God. Hallelujah. Well, I got to pick the one thing, right? Well, that one thing's 12 minutes. Praise the Lord. Let's just finish with a scripture. More than commentary. You're familiar, don't go there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You remember about Elisha and Gehazi? And the king sent him out after him to capture him and kill him? And, uh, but, but you don't have to turn there, but it says, it says that, you know, Gehazi wakes up one morning and he goes, uh, he wakes up real early in the morning and he, he goes down to Starbucks to get him and Elisha a coffee and a croissant. You know, you read that. And, uh, and as he's coming back and wiping his eyes, all of a sudden he sees the whole city encompassed around with horses and chariots. And uh, this, this boy's about to have a come apart because he knows why they're there. He knows what that prophet has prophesied, who he serves. He knows the king's mad and he's after their life. So he runs back to Elisha and tells him, he said, the last master, he said, what should we do? He said, the, the whole city is encompassed around horses and chariots that they've come to, to take us. And Elisha said, where's my, uh, where's my coffee? And he drank part of that. And he said, 
ah, that's, that's my illustration, ah. He said, fear not. He said, there's more with us than be with them. And guys, I said, I know, I know you're kind of old. <laughs> but uh, he says, drink some more coffee. He says, uh, he says then take another look. He, he says, look, man of God, look, we're, we're surrounded. And he said, ah. Now, this is not the Weiss translation. My last name is West. This is the West translation. Okay. He said, the, but he said, there's more than us to be with them. And then he said, he said, Lord, open his eyes. What? That he might see. Was he talking about his natural eyes? Was Gehazi naturally blind? No. He could see. Were these troops actually there? Yeah, they were there. But Gehazi said, there's, there's more here than what comes to the eyes. See, Gehazi was always, was always working in, that, in the spirit realm. He was working in two worlds at one time. Jesus said, I'm, I'm not up here. The works that I do... I'm just doing it because I see him doing it. When, when I'm talking to you, I can hear him saying it. So I'm just telling you what he's saying. The Bible says you're seated with him in heavenly places, yet you're sitting right here in Jemison, Alabama. Amen. You're, you're just like Jesus. You're actually in two worlds at one time. Now, the reason why you have to be is because you are the conduit. Don't let me lose you right here. Amen. You are the conduit with the Holy Ghost flows through. Mm hmm? Hmm? It's not a matter of us seeking and praying and getting, and getting together to see if God might do something. See, the Lord thinks he's already done something. <laughs> he's, under, he's under the thought process in, in, in his thinking. He thinks he's finished. Amen. And if you need healing, well, the price for that was Jesus went to the cross, but he went to the whipping post. So if that's how you do is you put faith in what Jesus did for you at the whipping post to be healed, Jesus is not going to come to the whipping post anymore, are we? Have you ever thought about we're commanded when we take communion to remember? Amen. Do this at what? In remembrance. Now, we, we, we read it and we know, but, you, but ha, ha, be honest with you, have you ever, because I, I hope I've done a better job than this, have you ever, when you're taking communion and we, when we go back to the whipping post, have, have you ever tried to get a mental picture of that in your mind? Anyone? That you've got a mental picture? Anyone? This is like, this is yes, this is no, this is, I really wish you'd let us go. <laughs> how, how many, you got a picture of the, of the whipping post, the cross, right? How, how did you do that? You had to use your imagination. How do you do the exceedingly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh within you? Above that you think, would have to, you would have to employ the forces of the imagination. When people say sometimes, I used to get on my mother sometimes, she said, and it's just a saying, she didn't mean nothing by it, but it, <clears throat> I get on to her, she said, well, someone say something, she said, Ooh, I can't even hardly imagine that. I said, we don't, we don't no, Mom, you, you can't imagine that. She said, do what? I said, but we're not saying we can't imagine. Or I'd have to take her to a doctor sometimes. She said, boy, I dread this. I said, no, we don't, we don't dread and we, and we can't imagine. And she said, that's right. We don't, we don't dread. She said, can I not look forward to it? <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am, you can not look forward to it. <laughs> but we'll have to look beyond 
you know, Jesus looked beyond the cross. <laughs> she said, well, okay, I'm just not uh, that crazy about doing this today. She said, but it's, it's good, right? I said, yeah, we're going to go eat something right after we leave here. <laughs> I take her to Golden Corral, and she liked going to Golden Corral. She'd get that fish, you know. And they'd all tell me, my brother and sisters, they said, oh, she don't have any appetite, appetite left. She, I mean, she, she's eating nothing. She's down to nothing. And I take her to Golden Corral. And she didn't know. I take a picture on my phone and I sent it to my brother and sisters. I said, she got cured today. <laughs> All you can eat. <laughs> I take her back home, get her in the house, get in her recliner. She, I said, go and take a nap. I lock the door. And she says, she says, thank you for taking me. Good to get out. Boy, that was a nice meal. She said, we're not going to go hungry today, are we, son? I said, no, ma'am. We, we, we didn't get it. We won't go hungry today. And then she'd say, because, you know, <clears throat> I live, what, one-tenth of a mile from her? And she said, now, don't forget me. I was like, forget you? I mean, I, mean, I just live right here. I see you like three times a day. <laughs> Barbara's going to be there five times a day. But we got to go beyond where we are. So what I'm telling you today is think above where you are. Think above where you are. Raise your thoughts above your circumstances. Above what they say you can do. Above what the education, above what your income allows you to do and live. There's more. There's more. So he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and Gehazi saw around the host. He saw a heavenly host. More than them. More than them. They were there. Why? Because the, the prophet of God had a job to do. And God never leaves, nor does he fail, nor does he forsake. And even though that you can't see does not mean that they're not there. You're surrounded by good help. You're, just, you're surrounded by the heavenly host this morning. You got more can do in you. So don't can it and sit on the can. You need to open the can like Popeye and swallow it. And flex your muscles, your spiritual muscles. Y'all remember Popeye? He looked like he was whipped, right? Till he opened that spinach. And he gave, what's his name? I can't even remember what's his name. Brutus. He gave him a bruising, didn't he? He just had to have some spinach. I get that same, you know, I get that same thrush when I eat ice cream. He, he, spinach for him, ice cream for me. Do that. He said, yo, where are they? Just where are they? Bless God. Well, I bless you in Jesus' name. Will you receive it? Amen. Where you're, I bless you in your home, your family, your situations. I bless your finances in Jesus' name. You have given, and it will be given back unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I believe that there's angels who have a job. Angels have several different assignments. But your words put them to work. Your words work wonders or blunders. Hmm? You may not like the fact that you live by your words. You can't change that because God said you did. But you can change your words. That's the way this planet works. So that's why I'm using the words to bless you with. And I believe there's angels on assignment in your life today to bring increase and opportunity and blessings to you. Amen. Amen. Things that would bring destruction to you or your family will never find you. Oh, they might come a close nine. Psalm 91 says, a thousand falls on my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come nigh you. He didn't say that you wouldn't see it. He said it just won't get near enough to affect you. 
Once again, they say we're about to go into a recession. Well, I would say whether we are already in one or whether we're not, just don't participate. Just don't be a participant in recession. We're on the increase. We're into the overflow. We're into the more than enough. We're into the exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that's working in you. Praise the Lord. I don't know how long I could preach. I never tried it. I know I've never had to find people who was willing to, to find out. I've done it for hours and hours. The longest I guess I ever preached was in a business meeting when we were asked to come minister in a business meeting. And I wasn't through then. It's just we had to go because the schedule changed. They was in a business meeting. And we was in downtown Atlanta. I don't know if it was the Omni we was in, but it was beautiful. We was like 26 stories up in Atlanta. It was beautiful. And the room was full, full, filled with Catholics. They were all Catholic. And they wanted to know about faith. And they said, tell us about this tongue business. I said, it's a business. And I said, y'all been in meetings all day long. They said, yeah, we know. But we just thank you that you was willing to come to Atlanta to teach us. They, they were all Catholic from Minnesota. And uh, I said, y'all want to know about faith? I said, yeah. I said, we're we, we going to be here a minute. We said, we don't care how long it takes. We don't have a meeting until 10 o'clock in the morning. They've been in meetings all day long. And I began just to open the Bible. And I, I preached from Genesis to the book of maps. Then we got talking about the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, while I was talking, the Holy Ghost fell. 26 Catholics in there began to open their mouth and speak in other tongues on the 26th floor of the Omni downtown Atlanta. Mm. Fun to be with hungry people. It's a fun for anyone who preaches the gospel to be with hungry people. It's so dissatisfying to be with people who satisfy. You love them, you care for them, but you can't put anything in there. I say you're hungry. I say you don't get easily satisfied. If you want to go somewhere that has a 16-minute service, don't leave here. I don't even get my title out in 16 minutes. <laughs> I was in a meeting, several meetings with Brother Copeland. And man, it was so good. And I thought, wow, that, that's amazing. And I said, well, I guess he's about through. I, I didn't know that was the offering. It was an hour and 40 minutes. I mean, it was good. Now I'm telling you, it was good. I thought that was the service. That was just the offering. <laughs> and, and, and the service was good. But it was those kind of meetings that changed my life. I'll never forget. My pastor told me in 1990, 1990 before we went to Ramah, Never saw it in my life. Went to a full gospel church all my life. Opened the book and talked to us about Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. I've never figured this out to this day. He read that and, and I thought, he, he said, have faith in God. Have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you, whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith so come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto thee, what things do you desire? When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. He read that three or four times. He says, he says, if I speak to the mountain, it shall obey me. Then I saw, he said, that's the saying part. Verse 24 is the prayer. You can say it or you can pray it. 24, you can pray it, right? 23, you say it. 24, you pray it. Same thing. You can say or pray. Say or pray. 
And I left that service and I told Michelle, I said, I said, that was amazing. I said, I've been in church all my life. I never saw the verse. I said, did, did you hear what Pastor Bobby said? She said, what did he say? I said, he was listening, wasn't he? She said, yeah, I heard what he said. I said, he says that we can speak to the mountains in our life. He says, and tell them to be removed and be thou cast in sea and shall not doubt, but, but shall believe the very things that we're saying shall come to pass. He said, well, I, he said, we'll have what we say. She said, yeah, I heard him. I said, if that's true, and if Jesus didn't tell a lie, we're going to change the whole world with them two verses. Well, with them two verses, I've seen the blind see, the deaf hear. I've seen new eardrums put in. I've seen the dead raised in the service. I've seen limbs that was going to be amputated in the morning all of a sudden are not being amputated. I've seen cancer die. I've seen a little girl with cancer on the ovaries going to move her ovaries because they had get, got to get rid of the cancer. And then within just a few hours, the cancer had disappeared. I guess she was lucky, I guess. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on and on and on. The, the, how, how we could just use the faith of God. Amen. Believe something in our heart and then release it with our words. And it would have to hear us and obey us. Man, I'm more stirred up about faith than I was in 1992. Amen. <laughs> then when I got a hold of the grace of God, you put them two together. Dynamite! <laughs> you remember who was that dynamite? JJ. <laughs> I won't try to do that. I won't know who's doing White folks can't do that. <laughs> dynamite. <laughs> Y'all remember JJ? <laughs> dynamite. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Get stirred up. Yes. Get happy. Yes. Get mad. Hallelujah. Get excited. Yes. Put on your kicking boots. I got me some boots today because I need to kick something. Praise <laughs> God. Anyone need a Smith Wordsworth kick and get healed? Praise the Lord. We don't have to kick you, but if, if it'll help, we'll do it. <laughs> Amen. Someone said, well, I got hemorrhoids. Well, I, I, I'll, take, I, I'll, I'll kick him right out in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we'll change their location. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. By stripes, you're healed. By stripes, you're whole. This is the victory that overcome the world, even our what? Woo, God bless you. Amen. You are love. You bring love.